and welcome to the Omega Metroid Podcast. My name is Andy Spateri, joined by Dakota Lasky. Dak, what's up? How you doing, bud? I'm doing absolutely fantastic, my guy. Um, yeah, I don't really have any any good news or anything, anything cool happening in my life, except that I played a really sick uh, demo this weekend, so really excited to talk about that, but otherwise, yeah, I'm doing good. How you doing, man? Uh, I'm doing great as well. I played the same demo that you did. Uh, for anyone that is in the Metroid world and living under a rock, there was uh, a little demo called Prime 2D that just released, and it's exactly what it sounds like. It is a reimagining of the world of Metroid Prime in the classic 2D gameplay that we all know and love. Dak and I loved this so much that we seek down a couple members of the development team, and uh, they're here today with us. So it is my my pleasure to introduce uh, you know him as Troid92 and Metroid Zapper. Uh, we know him as Matt and Gee. Fellas, how you doing? Doing pretty well. Yeah, man, pretty good. Uh, well, thanks for thanks for stopping by with us today, and uh, and it's always nice to have an even Canadian to American uh, ratio on the show here. So appreciate you guys making the time. Oh, no problem. Thanks for having us. Yeah. So uh, I mean, let's just. Uh, you know, let's uh, get right to it here. So you guys released this demo for uh, this project called Prime 2D, um, and it, it's it's kind of it's that sweet like reimagining that you know a lot of us classic Metroid fans way back when Metroid Prime was first uh, released were just like, oh man, this would have been so great in 2D. You guys actually went ahead and did that and created that, and for anybody that has not played this demo you gotta stop what you're doing you gotta go track it down um it there's there's forums where we can track it down everybody listening uh, could probably i think it's on the front page of metroid database right now uh you owe it to yourself to go play this uh it's gonna sound like we're shilling but man this was like such a cool cool demo and a cool cool concept um guys i guess let's just start at the at the very beginning where where did this project start and how did it originate? Because I, th- I think it's been in the in the works for a long time, hasn't it? Yeah, so uh, it it has it has a, a rich history, sort of going back all the way to two thousand four, um, and the the most recent demo that we just put out uh, is is we actually started that around twenty seventeen, um, but because of this like rich history behind it, uh, there's, there's sort of a lot of cool uh, things that have happened in the past. Um, you know, we, we've had many programmers before. Uh, and yeah, so it's, it's sort of a, it's a complicated, que- it's a more complicated question than it sounds. Uh, like a lot of the ideas and inspiration for this came in, 20, in 2015, sorry. Um, but uh, yeah, for the most part, this was about three and a half years ago. It was August 2017. Uh, Tim, uh, also known as the Illustrative Man, uh, wanted to start um, actually putting this into motion, and so he created a, a title screen mock-up for us. Um, he sent it to me. He got a few other artists uh, who were interested, um, and, and he was like, we're going to make a video in November. Um and at first I was like, uh, I might not have time for this, we'll see. Um, but then a month later I was like, okay, I think I've made time for this. 
what's what's happening with this and also can metroid zapper join um i really wanted him to be involved <laughs> uh for his talent and and you know we get along well and stuff um and so the dust of that kind of settled and we sort of we sort of figured things out and eventually it was this this core essence team that uh is described in the game credits and also in in the the lore of the game um and uh yeah so we put together that video um and since i was the programmer we used uh the game engine that i had been working on for quite a long time um it, it's just the thing that i know best uh and then from there we were just like well, yeah let's keep going and and make make more of the game after this and so that's what we did awesome awesome um so guys you uh i, I mean i'm looking at your guys's credits here your your resume on here so i, I mean troy you're programmer lead sound designer art director zapper your director art director artist animate like who i mean it sounds like there's nothing that you guys can't do so maybe just like really quickly because i know that there are some team members um that couldn't be with us here tonight uh really quickly maybe just go over what what kind of you guys do and what the other team members involved in the project are and uh, what they are bringing to the table all right well um it's true that we did do a little bit of everything uh i wanted to make sure when we made the credits that uh we properly credited everyone for the work they did um i mainly focused on the uh sprite animations so i would create the uh the frames for the animations or the pieces and mm -hmm. uh matt in turn would put it in game and make it look a thousand percent cooler which is why <laughs> i I was adamant that he also get an animation credit because he, in my opinion, worked just as hard on the animation. Um, like, for example, the Samus 360 aiming that everybody loves so much is like a huge testament to our teamwork and uh, collaboration because I had to draw a lot of independent pieces and frames, and but he also had to create custom software to uh, make sure that the in-between frames that were being uh, rotated in engine actually looked good because the industry standard rotation uh, usually looks quite clunky and people don't like it. Um, Andreas, uh, who is like uh, a god amongst pixel art, he's a professional artist, so we're very lucky to have him uh, just doing all this work for free. He is the main environmental artist. I helped a bit, I, I patched up some holes here and there, but uh, largely all the environments are due to him. Like, uh, I'm willing to say, like, 95%, if not more. Mm -hmm. um, and like uh, Matt said, we also had uh, the illustrative man on our team, which is Tim. Um, uh, at the beginning of the project, he was behind the overall vision at the time and, like, uh, the level design and, like, the planning. But eventually, uh, Tim was seeking a career in real life and going to school and he was busy so he had to drop the project which is understandable and at that point me and Matt picked up those roles which is why it seems like we can do everything it's just because <laughs> as a small team we had to you know we had to step up to the plate because the levels weren't going to design themselves and uh you know we've had a couple contributors here and there um they're all listed in the credits but the only other active team member that worked on the game is uh i think he goes by either uh was it uh hassan right matt 
That sounds right. He's he's H.S. on our Discord server. Yeah. Yeah, we used to know him as Hackney, but he's HS now, uh, a man of many names. But uh, he helped out with the, the level art as well, um, pretty much filling in where we needed extra mid-ground or backgrounds or helping fill any holes. Because sometimes we would you know, smash some things together and it'd be very obvious seams and no idea how picky I was about those. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's awesome. And you mentioned something earlier too that I think that... I think a lot of people know, but probably just, you know, needs to be reiterated as well. Like this is, I mean, this is a passion project, right? Like something that you guys are doing kind of on your own time. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's really cool. And, and, you know, I, again, I want to just give a huge congratulations to, I mean, both of you guys for sure. Um, the rest of the team members that were involved in this, cause you know, uh, I played this last night, Dak played it, I think, last night, and, like, we were just legitimately, like, super, super impressed, and, you know, we'll get into some of the specific things that, you know, we wanted to to bring up with you guys and chat about, but, you know, like, this is, it, I don't know what it is about Metroid games, like, it seems like uh, Nintendo fans make better 2D Metroid games than Nintendo does sometimes, but uh, you, you guys knocked it out of the park. Thanks, man, we really appreciate it. Yeah, I gotta I gotta jump in real quick, uh, Matt. I, you mentioned that you built, or, or at least one of you mentioned that Matt, you built a custom software for the like the 360 aiming and like the frames. Like, can you go more into that? Because that sounds like really fascinating, and I have no idea how that works. So, could you like kind of go into that a little more? Uh, sure. So, um, yeah, there there are a few aspects of the engine that uh, I'm very proud of. Um, I, you know, I, I've been working at this. So I started the engine in 2006. Uh, so it's been around 15 years now. Of course, when I first started, I was much younger, just learning how to do something like this. So it took many years to get it off the ground. And uh, most of the work, I would say, happened in the last three and a half years. We, we got quite a lot of features. Um, right. But so, th so, so this one in particular, um, I... Yeah, we, we needed pixel art rotations to look really good. Um, and that's not something that's normally very possible in games, especially in real time. Um, there are there are some good tools for rotating them like in an, in an art development program, but for having it work like the entire, um, not to spoil anything, there's a room in the game that rotates um, that uses this. Um, and to have that that level of like rotation in one scene working in real time without you know the game stuttering and things like that um i really wanted to make that possible uh and at this point um that's actually something i am planning to sort of spin off into its own proprietary uh sort of business venture like a, a thing i will sell um so i can't quite get into like the details of it but uh yeah it's it's called spintroid that particular particular thing uh and and just to give some context here to anyone that has not played this demo yet which uh, i really hope that uh after you guys are done listening to this you go ahead and check this out but imagine the 360 aiming in samus returns except you're moving while you do this uh it's it's really smooth it's really fluid um really really kind of like advanced but but a logical step in into how like i i feel like 2d metroid should be that's and how it should be in a metroid game in an actual, yeah like, like 
official Metroid game, that's how it should be. If like if I play another 2D Metroid game and this isn't how it controls, I'd be like, I'm just gonna go back and play this. Like that ass. <laughs> like it, it was it, like it was that good. It was really smooth. And coming from someone who loves to play mouse and keyboard games already, like I talk a lot about playing like you know the Prime games on Dolphin or whatever, and I play a lot of PC games. Like this felt so fluid. It was, I mean, really well done. And being able to just run and shoot, run and gun, and be in full control of my actions, which is one of the, like, I think the most important things in a game like this, uh, perfectly nailed. So hats off to you for that. I don't really wear hats, but if, if I had any hats, I would be taking them off for you. It was really well executed. So it's awesome that there's like a proprietary like system behind that that's like working that system. That's really cool. Yeah, and and it's really fluid. Uh, I'm I'm probably gonna say this a lot, but I mean, listeners, you guys got to check this out. Um, guys, I want to talk about the actual demo itself here because a couple weeks ago on the show, we were talking with someone and we were kind of saying like, uh, you know, it would make sense if if Prime Trilogy one day ever comes to uh, Nintendo Switch if they released a demo and it was the opening part of like the um, the Frigate Orpheon and. I, I kind of loved, actually, because I think that that would have been a natural assumption, like, if you're going to do a demo for, you know, Prime 2D, that it's going to take place on the Frigate, because it's such a, like, a self-contained thing. But I I really loved, like, actually getting to see the world in 2D, like, where you spend your time. You, you know what I mean? Is is that kind of why that decision was made to, to, you know, to, like, have the demo take place in the Talon overworld, in the Chosa Ruins, and, and kind of bypass the you know, the opening sequence of Metroid Prime? Yeah, so, um, in 2017, uh, in that, in that fall, uh, when we were sort of piecing everything together, um, Tim was the one who said, uh, who, who had this idea, um, and so he might have a better explanation of it, um, but, uh, yeah, the, the idea was just the, the, um, the Frigate Orpheon in Metroid Prime is sort of a tutorial area, um, showcasing what their engine can do, showcasing how the controls work, and because we were still early in our designs for this, uh, making an area like that 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 can demonstrate all of these things and and show what we have, uh, we just felt that wasn't quite you know, it it wasn't quite ready for for us to be able to do that. Uh, we we had to you know establish controls first before we can teach them all all that kind of stuff. Um, so he he decided a, a good first demo would just be up till Hive Mecca and then and then stop it there and he he gave us some deadlines for it. Um, of course, in the years since we missed all of those deadlines until this one, but no one needs <laughs> to know that. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, Guillaume has more to say. Yeah, it's definitely multi-layered because, like Matt was saying, the frigate is really great and self-contained, but at the same time. It's um, actually very comprehensive in terms of its gameplay aspects. For example, um, we would need to have made Grapple Beam and, uh, you know, have Ridley in and the Parasite right. Queen. And there's really a lot that's condensed in that little frigate. And it just made more sense to start on talent for where things are calm and you work your way up to a boss and we just went uh, room by room and uh, I think it turned out quite nice but uh, don't worry if we are allowed to continue we 
love to do the frigate yeah you know what that makes a lot of sense i didn't even think of that actually i just thought like i i had thought like maybe the thought was like you know we we've seen 2d spaceships but like we've never seen 2d talon 4 um but that's you know the logical explanation is usually the best one right um so i guess this is a question for for you Guy, because one of the things that i immediately noticed when i was playing this demo is like how crisp and just really really good the sprite work looks um particularly with samus's gunship and, and it has that like uh, i'm i'm gonna butcher the the naming of this but it has that effect where like it's 2d but like the gunship looks like it pops out a little bit more like it, it almost like looks like it sticks out a little bit more and i remember um back in like 2004 legend of zelda four swords adventures had the same kind of thing where like you were playing and like it popped out uh it, the sprite work popped out a little bit more do you guys is there a name for what i'm trying to describe um if there is i'm not aware of it but essentially you're describing the fact that a two-dimensional object looks three-dimensional right i, I mean yeah it it looks it just looks so awesome i thought like it, the gunship just really popped for me yeah that was a collaborative effort andreas made uh the gunship um the shape and uh the design of it and then i went over it and added detail so i'm glad that we were able to nail a really nice gunship actually i think that's our third gunship right matt is it the third i think yeah so. yeah you're right it is we had because we had uh multiple sizes on this one that, that's right, yeah the intermediate yeah yep yeah that that one just oh I, I i don't know what it just looked um it just looked so good like in in the in the center of like the talon overworld because even in 3d space that's kind of like the centerpiece of that room and man it just uh it stuck out and i just thought really kind of set the tone for for the rest of the game and like there are some other sprites that you see that also look like they're like popping like they look 3d they look like they're just a few pixels ahead of all the other pixels. it just it looks it looks really really well done i thought so again hats off to you guys thanks um so one thing that i also kind of noticed when we you first started playing and you go into the other areas you have like for example the intro to Chosa Ruins and there's a ton of sand, like no visibility, right? And even like on Talon Overworld, there's a lot more rain than in like the original Metroid Prime. Uh, what was like the decision making behind like adding kind of like a little more like like artistic license to that, changing up a little bit, and then like the weather effects for Chosa Ruins? Is that something that we're going to see in other parts of the game? Because for me, I, I love weather effects. I love stuff like that where, like, the visibility goes down. you got to work against the weather. So when I walked into Chozo Ruins, that was a really, really pleasant surprise. Um, you know, what was the decision-making behind that and maybe the design behind it? And are we going to see more of that? Um, so I guess since I, since I had the idea for the Sandstorm, I think, and I, I was the one who made it, um, I... Uh, Part of our design process is it's a little bit of that, like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if kind of effect, um, you know, right. where we've been playing these games for a long time. And so we have all of these connections in our head about uh, about what things uh, we could do with this and, and that sort of thing. And then then 
in addition to that, we also very heavily prioritize things. We have a lot of lists. We, you know, put things in order and, and weigh, th you know, which, which thing should I make next? Which one is actually more important? Um, that, that sandstorm, um, I really wanted to see that in the game because I thought it was a cool idea. Um, this was the night before one of our deadlines when we thought we might actually be making a public release and it was very clear that we wouldn't be. I said, you know what, I want this sandstorm in the game and, and, and made it. Um, and that's the origin story behind that. Uh, but um, in terms of like the, the more abstract question uh, of like what types of things we want to put in and, and uh, what's, what type of creative freedoms we have, I think uh, I'll let Guillaume answer that. Yeah, so a lot of the creative freedoms um, stem from trying to take the best elements of 2D Metroid design and the best elements of 3D Metroid design and trying to marry them in a cohesive unison. And obviously, not all things can be translated accordingly, right? Like in 3D, mm -hmm. you've got an entire other dimension. So we had to be creative with some of the room layouts. And those kind of things that are, you know, when you're trying to remake or demake a game that already exists, you're going to have um, that desire to replicate it as accurately as possible. And I think that's important, but you need to be able to change when you have no choice. So being um, exposed to that kind of environment, I think, bred... Uh, a different type of thinking where like Matt was saying wouldn't it be cool if and um, I'm sure we'll get into some spoilers about the demo later on where that was very applicable and sometimes I, I literally am like oh Matt wouldn't it be cool if and then we're like yeah that's amazing and I'm like we're doing it and he's like we're doing it and then we do it so a lot of yeah. it is just trying to think okay um, 2D Metroid fans would love this, 3D Metroid fans would love this, and we just try to bring as much of the love and passion for Metroid that we have. Um, and really hope that that came through. And uh, yes, we do hope on having other cool environmental effects. Uh, yeah, you, you're reading my mind, man. We're definitely going to get to some spoilers uh, later <laughs> in this in this chat about some of the... Uh, some of the uh, decisions that were made to, like you said, kind of get the both of uh, the best of both worlds. Um, before we get there, what uh, what was the control like process like? Just figuring out like uh, what the controls were going to be for this game. Like, obviously, we know that you know the the big kind of the big selling point or the big feature here is the three sixty aiming, uh, which you know it really really works well. Like how how I guess like how like long did that take to really kind of nail down or like was that one of the first things you worked on and kind of built the game around that afterwards um and because uh and actually I'll, i guess I'll, I'll ask my second part after we get that first part down but like, yeah how how would how did getting the controls down come to be well um for the longest time we were just constructing the environment uh and getting in um, lighting effects, coloring effects, and just having rooms that you could navigate between. And so for the longest time, the player was just the ball. And <laughs> and move, moving around, um, 
you would just fly. You would just fly, and like when you would hit stuff, it, it would it would use accurate physics. So you know, if you graze a surface, it would spin you and that kind of thing, or you could like bounce. Uh, but really, you were just a ball flying around. Um, that's how it was for the longest time. Then, for like another long period of time, it was more refined animations coming in. Um, as Guillaume would make more of these animations and refine them and, and, you know, get transitions. Now we have, like, turning when you're crouching, like, that kind of thing. Um, those would sort of piece in one step at a time. Uh, and I was still putting off the, like, we were still putting off the 360 aiming. So f for another long period of time, it was a pretty functional Samus, except every time you'd want to um, shoot anything, those bullets would just come out of, like, the center of the sprite. Like, she would just be um, shooting them from her chest. Um, and then finally, like the, one of the last things we did to really make the, the control experience feel good was, was adding the visuals, adding the 360 aim. So it was sort of like a, a gradual step moving into this. Um, and that includes refining all of the camera movements when you move the mouse around, all of that kind of thing. It, it came gradually. Um, I know at various points, uh, I was studying some of the games that this is inspired by, uh, in terms of, you know, when you jump, how does the momentum carry? When you land, how does that work? And all sorts of things like that. And just, we, we really wanted to expand on that, uh, add more fluid animations. Um, this is one of the only games I know of where, as you're about to land, um, not when you're spin jumping, we we were hoping to get that in, but uh, it wasn't ready in time, but, but when you're just normal jumping, as you're about to land, she anticipates the landing and her feet will get right. ready for that position. Um, and I, I don't see games that normally do that. We, we studied a lot of jumping in a lot of games, and uh, if that exists, we, we would be happy to know about it, if anyone knows. But um, yeah, so it was just a very gradual process. Everyone on the team was weighing in input uh, the whole time. Nice. So I, I got to ask, because, uh, you know, I'm, I have two left hands when it comes to mouse and keyboard. Uh, any, any future plans to get controller support? for for the the finished product yes oh andy's a happy man <laughs> i'm a happy yeah, man that, we that's the best answer that we could have had we 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 want this game to be accessible to as many players as possible um controller support and uh like customizable inputs um those are a really great way to make that happen um they just were not ready in time for this first demo. Uh, right, right. <laughs> well, you'll um, get it soon, Andy, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so so the second part of my original question that um, I just, I, I thought, it just kind of struck me over and over again as I was playing this game. You mentioned, like, the lighting effects of, like, the scan visor, like, when you're scanning something, you just, you, you see the light coming off, and, and it looks, like, really slick. It just looks really good. I mean, scanning in general, um, you know, like when, you know, it's it's so, again, it feels really natural uh, to me. So I, I guess my question, or maybe not even a question, but just a statement is like, um, I think that you guys did like a really, really good job of like taking these, these prime-esque elements like scanning and, and like, you know, just the the more cinematic stuff, like you know, whenever you'd be able to see Samus's reflection in her visor, or the, the the lighting effects, that kind of stuff, and like implementing them into a two D space that you know we haven't like we haven't really seen a lot. So like it hit me when I was playing it, just like 
constantly that like man this feels like really natural it feels like you know if this if this like legitimately showed up in the next 2d metroid uh, i wouldn't be surprised at all because just it fit like a glove it felt really good um so i guess uh i guess i wanted to again tip my hat and then just say like was you know my question i guess is was making sure that scanning which is such an important part of metroid prime was making sure that scanning was a part of prime 2d like uh, a high priority for you guys yeah it it was important um we had some idea of what to go off of right we've seen the x-ray scope in super metroid implemented it wasn't exactly uh ideal to be using that all the time it was a little bit clunky right. but you know we had a good starting point from where we could go to refine it not to mention how prime utilized it you know the the scanning is not really limited by the the 2d world uh, i should say um because it wasn't 3d originally but all you need to do is look at something and hold a button so it was really about trying to use it in a way that was interesting and not make it feel forced uh it might come off gimmicky i know some people didn't like the scanning in prime um but i feel like the right way to use it is occasionally for some puzzle solving and mostly for um those who care about the lore and reading about the details. And uh, mm -hmm. I think you had something to add, right, Matt? Yeah, I mean, we... It's... I, I remember reading in, like, 2004 and 2005 when this was first starting up as a concept on the internet of, like, what would happen if we made Metroid Prime in 2D. Um, ScanVisor was definitely one of those things that people talked about, like, how how could this be possible? Um, mm-hmm. And we, we went through a lot of ideas. Um, you know, some games, scans will just happen automatically when you're near something. It will just say, you know, more information in your logbook or something like that. Um, and that's, that's one possible solution. Another is, like, if you turn on the scan visor and you're just within proximity to things, it will automatically scan. Um, and so we, we went through a lot of idea processes and, like, tested these things out. And... Um, and also, like, there's a difference, like, even in, like, the Metroid Prime games, for example, uh, while you have the visor open, what does that look like? Is it little orange squares, or is it the entire object that, that highlights in a color? Um, all of these things got discussed, and we ended up going with this one, which felt pretty natural to us. Um, and one of the few changes that we made sure we made was if you skip a scan uh like for example if a scan is no longer possible to get you will just get that in your logbook we all sort of agreed that feeling of you know you fight a really cool boss and and you barely survive and you're like wow that was awesome and then you realize you forgot to yes. scan it that is the worst feeling ever spider <laughs> um, guardian <laughs> so we 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 decided that that just shouldn't be a thing um, that's not to say we won't make, you know, very obscure enemies that will be difficult to find and it will still be a challenge if you, if you so desire to fill out 100% of the logbook, but you will never be locked out of something. I think that was very important. Yeah, yeah, totally. No, that, and you, you bring up enemies real, uh, in scanning, but I actually want to ask about them in general because I really loved your interpretations of, like, the war wasps and, like, the plasmites. What, can you talk a little bit about like how it was developing 
enemies that you know normally are in a 3D space and kind of operate in that area and now you have to translate them to a 2D space and they might not have the same utility and they might not be able to fight the same right like a war wasp and prime they're spinning around you and you had to you know kind of take some uh, different routes to make that kind of enemy work so can you talk uh, a little bit about just going into translating those characters from 3d to 2d because I, I personally love fighting all the enemies in this in this game even down to like just zoomers it was fun i found like myself jumping on uh you know sap sacks with the power grip and and baiting zoomers onto them <laughs> and they'd explode right like that was awesome like stuff like the emergent stuff like that was really cool um so like what was the development behind that i'd, I'd love to know well um a lot of the enemies, I tried my best to recreate all of the animations uh, needed for what they could originally do in Prime. So, for example, the beetle, um, we hadn't exactly decided how we wanted it to behave. Uh, at the time, when Tim was part of the team, he had suggested that it act like another creature. I think it was called a uh, Muto. Um, I'm pretty sure they're in most Metroid games, but I recall them being in Fusion, because at one point uh, the X like possess it and it, it and then it gets a like a metallic face shield and you have to like jump over it and shoot it in the butt. It looks like a little rhino right, type beetle. Right. And um, I just felt that the the Muto were just too passive compared to the Beatles, and so I went ahead and made the uh charging and biting animation and said let's see how we can implement it and a lot of it was just trial and error to see what would feel right because like you said it was a challenge without that extra dimension because we couldn't just do a one-for-one -one implementation of the enemies and i think that out of all the animations i made i don't think any were wasted so i think we found a way to implement everything and some were easier than others, right? Like, um, like the the beetles were a pretty easy solve. Uh, the wasps we had to talk about to discuss, particularly during the boss fight. We just decided, okay, they're gonna spin around and just go through the geometry because it it'll work. And and it, sometimes it's more important to have gameplay functions than to have one hundred percent realism. Mm -hmm. And um, on my end, that's that's pretty much what it was. I just decided to make everything as a, uh, how it was, and if I thought of something new, we'd do that. And then I would hand it uh, to Matt, and then he would go in the game and see what he came up with, and we went from there. And I'm sure he could uh, speak more to it as well. Yeah, that covers a lot of it. I mean, I would take these animations and, um, like, the so we were talking about the Beetle. I think... The last time I counted, I, I might have this wrong, it was in the 60s, I think it was 63 uh, frames of beetle animations. <laughs> um, Holy. Which, which um, I'm just always so impressed by this art team. But, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I would take these animations and sort of put them in and, and just see what would happen. Um, I know for a long time we just discussed how are they going to come out of the ground uh, was another aspect. Um and so just just like you know each each little like state um of like what it what it could be doing at any given time uh just very experimental we would i would i would implement like a an animation of them popping up and down and then see 
what what does that feel like what does it look like um you know the, the end result uh i think i i added like a random weight amount before they show up and and various there, there's a lot of randomness involved in the in the beetle states i i know but um yeah the enemies were just basically what guillaume said uh plop things in see how it feels think of new ideas trial and error it you know get timings get timings down sometimes the timings of like the beetle attack animation for example when as it's flying through the air how fast does it go and then when does it start clamping its jaw down um and like just really making sure that all starts on just the right frame um we had a, a slow-mo feature in development so we could we could pull it all the way down to one frame per second and that that really helped uh to study all of these things and, and make sure it all worked well nice yeah i, I was just like man i can't wait to see like um like flagra and uh and she goth and stuff like that i was just like man this is uh i, I was excited um so I, I have another question about something else I was excited about, and I feel like uh, this might be something that you guys might not want to reveal yet. So uh, if it is, just uh, say so. We'll move on. But when I was uh, so when I was playing, and I got the power grip, I was like, "Well, hello, I remember you from Metroid Zero Mission." And so, of course, in my mind, I got to thinking like, "Well, that's a 2D power up in this, uh, you know, 2D version of Metroid Prime." I wonder what other 2D power-ups might make their way here. And, and of course, what I'm getting at here is the one item that I think that, you know, Prime hasn't really nailed down all that well. Uh, and, of course, I'm talking about the speed booster in ShineSpark. Any plans to uh, to have something like that come back in in the future in the finished product? Or uh, are we being tight-lipped about that right now? Mm. I don't know, Matt. What do you think? <laughs> Uh, I think to anything like that, we should say further testing is needed to be determined. <laughs> okay, I, you know what, I, that's, uh, that's about as, as good an answer as I thought that we were uh, going to get here. Um, so listen, I have another uh, kind of weird question here for you too. So I was, uh, I was playing, I ended up finding two missile expansions, an energy tank. Um, I was missing about half the map from Talon Overworld, but uh, one of the other classic staples of 2D Metroid games is like, getting like a cool ending screen for like uh getting 100 percent items or like finishing the game in you know a certain amount of time uh, whereas metroid prime more so leaned towards like strictly item completion for for bonus kind of endings or whatever have, have you guys thought that far yet about what you what you may may not do for uh for something similar are you just gonna kind of keep it as it was in metroid prime or maybe something a little bit more traditional with like a, a cool picture of samus and like the zero suit or something i know we've talked about it uh but we haven't settled on anything concrete yet because you know that's the end of the game and we just shipped the beginning of the game so <laughs> fair fair enough yeah for I'll, I'll add that for for this demo um we did do it metroid prime style where it's based on item completion so if you get a hundred percent of the uh, collectibles that are sort of out in the open, um, she will take her helmet off, and then if you get, uh, all of the, like, 100% of everything, including the artifacts, um, then there will be a, a zero suit bonus, but that was sort of a final day or two, uh, polish detail, um, and 
does not necessarily reflect the final game. <laughs> right. Uh, fair enough. Um, all right. Well, let's, you know, we were talking about the ending of the game whenever that happens. Let's talk about yes. the ending of the demo. Dak, I know, I know you were hyped about this. Oh, my and God. I, I was hyped, too. So, for, and, and let's just throw a spoiler warning out there for everybody listening. Uh, this is the final boss. We're going to talk about the Mecha Hive. It's not what you think. So, if you haven't beat it and you want to be pleasantly surprised, stop listening now. Come listen to the rest of it after you're done. So, that out there. That being said... This fight rocked. I I was... Oh, man. So, uh, first of all, I, I want to talk about the first phase because I was like, this is a really impressive translation from, yeah. you know, how this fight operated in 2D, uh, or in 3D, rather, into 2D. But then, and Dak, I'll let you take it after this, the second phase of this, man, just kicked it up into a whole other gear. Well, I don't even want to go that far. The fir- I the first phase itself, I was already blown away. After the fir- end of the first phase, I was like, wow, that was an amazing boss fight. Uh, I'm a big Galaga fan. I played a ton of it on, like, like the Namco Museum, my GameCube back as a kid, and in, like, arcade machines. And it was, like, a Galaga boss fight, like, with all, like, the WAPs going through, like, the platform and swarming around you. I'm perfect. I was, I was blown away by the first phase of the boss fight. So, and I also love, like, the, the Hive Mecha fight in Prime as it is. The, the first phase of this fight is way better, um, but it's, it's, it's so good. It looked awesome. So I was like, wow, that was so good. Like, I enjoyed it a lot. And then, and then the second phase, guys, guys, you nailed it, man. I was, I, I was tearing up Metroid passionate Metroid fans. Like, a 2D Metroid games, Fusion's my favorite, and Metroid Prime's my favorite 3D Metroid. And when I saw the security robot show up, I was like, no, no freaking way, dude. And that, and that fight went nuts you guys killed it it was like it, i honestly will say right now that's the best 2d metroid fight of all time facts like 100 percent. it was crazy and i'm a huge ridley fan so like the proteus ridley boss fight from samus returns is like probably like i thought the original like best 2d metroid fight bar none this is the best like i that like dead ass after that fight i like stood up and like clapped i wish i was streaming on <laughs> twitch because it was that good it was so good you guys nailed it like the the intensity of the fight like the gameplay was awesome and like the evolution of that fight from fusion to like the area like when everything started breaking down i was like whoa like i i cannot talk enough about that boss fight you guys seriously killed it and it's some of the best like 2d video game gameplay that i've played in such a long time and made me like really like hyped to be a metroid fan you guys that that was a metroid fan game experience right there so that i've been waiting to say that like i've been holding that in for like 45 minutes um and i can't i would love to just hear all about this fight like what went into the development of it what you guys were on when you were thinking about it um because like wow this was this was perfect it's a genius boss fight an absolutely genius boss fight <laughs> crazy i loved it i loved it i loved it hats off fellas hats Seriously. off thanks man I'm, I'm really glad that you liked it so much um did you uh want to start off on it matt and then i can uh add on sure um so yeah so we knew we were designing the demo until this boss uh and it is most definitely one of the harder bosses. Uh, I mean, a lot of them are difficult, but this one is definitely one of the hardest to translate from 3D to 2D. Um, like in the original game, the wasps circle around you, um, and we just can't, you know, 
we can't do it at least along the same axis that they do in the original game um, without it looking mm-hmm. very silly. Um, that and things that sometimes seem pretty cool in 3D just are not very cool in 2D. If we just had them circling around the player the entire time and then stopping sometimes um, and that was it, uh, <laughs> that wouldn't be so good. So we, we had some pretty interesting designs early on. Uh, uh, we had one um, that was that was pretty cool uh, where it was it was the entire wall of the left side was the boss. Um, and Tim, Tim, Tim came up with that one and we didn't end up going with it, but, um, you know, it's one of those what ifs, but, uh, yeah, so it went through a few design phases. Um, it took me, I mean, we all work on this in our spare time. Uh, like my, my career actually isn't even in programming. Um, so it took me a good month to set up just the room just to be like, okay, here's where a boss could go. Here's, um, we didn't have graphics for it yet because it was still being designed. So I, it was a wireframe. Um, like here, here's where a platform could be. Here's, here's the mechanics of how it might rotate um, for the later part of it. Um, and just getting all of that set up. It took me like a month before we had a prototype for just the first phase. Um, and then you, wow. get, you would get to the second phase and it would just display an error message across the screen. Um, <laughs> uh, and so that, that was like a, a first pass at it, and then I sent that to the team, and, and we all tested it and got feedback. Um, Guillaume was really the one who uh, who, who came up with the, the final designs here. There's a really cool, uh, we might have to pull it up sometime uh, for the community, uh, no promises, but there was a really cool animated GIF he made of, of how it might work for a phase two, um, where it just, turns into a spider and crawls onto the ceiling from where it was and all of us on the team were just like yes that is so cool um and it just kind of evolved from there so uh, i'll i'll pass that over to him because he he was the idea guy on this (laughs) yeah oh man um so uh, to uh hit on what matt said earlier about the the earlier design that tim made where he uh proposed that we make the boss like just the wall instead and maybe it opens up he was doing that in an effort to save me the trouble of animating the three-dimensional rotation of hive mecha and i said no and i made the 3d rotation of hive mecha <laughs> which is and which is hand animated 2d it. it is not actually yeah. 3d <laughs> yeah um, lots of people are like whoa is that a 3d model is it low poly I'm like no man i I animated it, and I had the same feeling you guys had because I I know it seems ridiculous, but I never played the full animation as I was making it. I would only cycle from frame to frame as I was making it. So when I finally finished the last frame, I hit play, and I was, whoa! I was like, guys, I think I did good. And uh, yeah, uh, Yeah, man, I'd say. Yeah, that's an understatement. <laughs> Thanks. Tim agreed, and so we went with the classic design, but we still had the problem of, okay, the original hive mech is a little bit lackluster. How do we how do we make it better? And that's where we started talking about the wasp clipping through the ground and stuff. And Tim was like, Well, how do we incorporate missiles into the fight? He's like, It gives missiles, it'd be cool if, if it incorporated missiles. And I absolutely love box. I'm obsessed with box. Yeah, box. Box fans. I love box. The reason is because I don't know why box is so 
tenacious, why it has the audacity to just randomly show up and just start wrecking everything and do it multiple times. It's just, it doesn't give up. And I was like, I love this tiny spider bot. Like, it's irrelevant in the grand scheme of Metroid. It's, it's just a Galactic Federation robot, but I love it so much. And I was like, what if this thing turned into Box, except we called it Hive, and instead of shooting firebombs it shot out chunks of hive and then wasps came out of it and it would still shoot the missiles because you know the missiles are the element here that's that gave me this idea so like matt was saying i made a really like terrible like like polygon gif of like all the boss phases and animated it. everyone was amazed and they were like we're doing this and then i once again shot myself in the foot because I had to make the transformation animation and every single animation for Hive, which I had to study Box <laughs> immensely for because it turns out that everybody on the internet who ever ripped Box from the game did it in parts and nobody has a sheet of the animations. I had to rip footage from somebody streaming the game and like study it and it was so hard because it was so low quality. You're, pr- oh, man. you're probably like the world's like leading box expert now. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I, and, and I'll tell you a secret. There are some frames in boxes animation where the legs don't touch the body. There's just straight up empty space. Wow. And I recreated those go. two and no one noticed. <laughs> wow. The well, I, I certainly didn't I'm, notice. I'm definitely going to go back and look for that now. That's awesome. I love that. So th- this this fight, like we can't put over this fight enough, actually. But this was a really um, important part of this demo for me because, like, I was already really impressed with what I've been playing, right? But like, this this kind of did everything to me, and, and I'll explain what I mean. Like, first of all, with with the first phase of the the hive mecha fight, um, that's when I was, and we had seen this before, but then I was just like, man, okay, so there they're really like they get it right like they're they're taking the essence of that fight which is samus is surrounded and, and like these wasps are, are coming in around her everywhere but they're not like they're not doing it literally kind of like you said we're like we're just flying in circles around sam like it was it was such a fun pattern it was way more um to me it just like got the spirit of the fight without replicating it exactly one for one but it it got the spirit and it made it work in a way that worked better for 2d and then in the second, uh, the second part, I was just like, okay, well, like we've got box in here, like this is this is awesome because one of my favorite parts of playing um, AM2R was like some of the classic uh, enemies from like Fusion and stuff showing up in that game as well, and I was just like, all right, again, like these guys get it, like there's you know, it, it's nice to see like the 2D Metroid with you know, some 2D Metroid stuff that's thrown in there. And, like, we're not going to be religious in the way that we adhere to Metroid Prime. So that was really awesome. And then the third part is, like, if you ever need just, like, a, a, a demo reel, like your Oscar reel for how the 360 yeah. gaming works, like, man, this yeah. is it. Like, no, and I'm so not sad. I'm not a computer gamer. Like, you know, like I said, like, I have, uh, I have two left hands when it comes to playing mouse and keyboard, but, like, Man, this this was solid. Like, just it was easy to, to aim, easy to shoot, but but challenge it. Like, it was it was really really impressive, guys. I I I thought that it was really really great. Thanks, really appreciate it. We 
we're really hoping that everyone would love that surprise. I was adamant that people would lose it. <laughs> I, I was trying to get the missile after the first uh, phase like a sucker, and I was like, why can't I get this? Like, what's I, happening? I legitimately here? popped off when he turned into when he turned into box. Well, it when it turned to box, I legit popped off. I was like, no way! And the fight started happening. I was <laughs> I was legit blown away. I really didn't like. That's like the kind of stuff that I was not even expecting. And even going back yeah. to the first phase was really awesome. Um, did, was there? I guess uh, you know, in that fight, was there any particular part of the fight that maybe was? the most difficult like implementing other than i guess i'm assuming probably just like the animation of hive itself but there's like any like other obstacles or or otherwise like did it really come to like your vision like did it like you know is it like are you satisfied with how it came out um uh do you want to take that game or, or guillaume or should i <laughs> I, I was actually going to point to you <laughs> yeah so i would say probably the most difficult part was getting phase one to feel good um, we know, we know it's, it's still not perfect in terms of like keyboard and mouse controls. Not everyone is able to click so much with their index finger. Um, we, uh, in earlier stages, um, there, um, or like earlier, uh, development stages of this boss, uh, you had to click a lot more and there was less downtime. Um, and it was... It was one of those like shower thought moments when I realized like, oh, when the wasps are swarming up above, they shouldn't be able to be hit and then the player can relax and then that's some downtime to let their finger um, recover from that uh, and then like a few things from that and so getting that to feel right with them changing colors between being hittable and not um, and also the patterns that they fly around in uh, I sort of had to you know invent those and think about those um, it's it's definitely an open-ended problem I wouldn't say I wouldn't say we got it uh, perfect by any means, um, but for me that was that was the hardest part was just how do we make this this part of it fun. Um, the the second hardest part I would say was just time constraints. This is one of those battles that like uh, there are just so many details. I mean, even I was even testing things like as the room is is tilting when when the box form is like latching onto walls and and shifting everything like. If I dive into the acid and boost into the corner and get myself wedged, what happens? And and I you know I made sure that players could never get stuck when when things like that were happening. So, you know we we may or may not continue to revise this boss going forward because there there are things that like whole assets that actually got cut um, for for time reasons. Uh, it was it was one of the last things I was working on um, to the point where. Uh, there was like a tiny um, error uh, when we released this that I, I corrected as soon as it was pointed out to me, but I, I did my entire test <laughs> through the entire game, checked absolutely every scan, everything, and I was like, this thing is good to go for what it is right now, and then I, I just have to make one adjustment to the boss. And so I disabled the wasps in the first phase so I could get to the second phase really quickly and then made some adjustments, and then I said, great, and then shipped it. Um, and it was my brother who first notified me like, Hey, uh, I think I didn't see any wasps in the first phase. And I was just like, Oh no. And so I had to go back oh, no. in, <laughs> re-enable the wasps. Um, and then, and then delete the file off the internet and, and resubmit it and just, you know, try to do as much damage control as I possibly could at that point. But luckily we caught it very quickly. There, there are at most 
a handful of people in the world who would have still experienced that and maybe didn't see the message uh, to, to re-download it. Um, and, you know, ever since then, we've had so many downloads, it, it's it's just a blip. But yeah, it, putting that all in perspective again, this this was definitely a showpiece that uh, took a lot of time um, and a lot of there's a lot of details in it, even though it's, you know, there's still more. <laughs> And more to come yeah for sure i mean this was uh again it was a great fight it was a great showcase for you know for everything that i think that you guys wanted to set out to accomplish so i can't put it over um strong enough uh, it, you know again if you if you're listening man go go play that because Dak ain't wrong this is this is one of the best 2d metroid fights that i can remember playing um, no, so no, just a, I, a really no, no. Quick... I want to. I want to specifically say it was the best, not one of. I, I said it was All right, the he's, best. Dak is saying, saying the best. So I want to make sure there that you go. you're qu- qu- accurately quoting me on that. So. <laughs> um, you know, I uh, I wanted to talk about um, the music of the game, which we haven't spent a ton of time on yet. Uh, I, you know, I really liked, actually, I really liked all of the, um, the sound effects as well. I like all of the rain, all of the waterfalls. I thought sounded really good. The Talon Overworld theme, I thought, uh, really popped for me in particular. It sounded like, um, almost like Celtic, like it's kind of a Celtic tone to it. it. It was really well done. Um, who was responsible for the music and, uh, I guess how did, how did that all come together? Sure. I can talk about that one. Um, so the music, uh, it was a collaboration between me and Caitlin Pequino. Um, and by collaboration, what I mean is each of us made whole tracks. So we didn't actually combine efforts on a single track. Um, and so she is the one who made the Talon Overworld music. Uh, she plays violin, and so that's her playing violin in it. Um, mm, yeah. And yeah, that one came together very well. It, it, it also went through many stages of development. Um, we had back and forth discussions between um, all of us on the team and, and you know, her and, and what, what we should do to go forward with it. And um, it, it really came together. Uh, but um, yeah, in terms of the music overall throughout the game, uh, it's, um, I think it's roughly 50-50 in terms of number of tracks of, of what we made. So like, uh, I had a list going at some point. Let me just see if I can rattle it off. So she made the title screen. That's that's her singing. Um, right. And also playing violin in it. Um, and that happened back in 2017. That was from our original video. Um, I made this very quiet Metroid Prime Hunters reference track that follows the title screen. It's a little bit of a bonus secret if you wait around long enough. Oh my god, I'm gonna have to go um, back and listen to that. It's <laughs> another GOAT game. Thank you. Um, I made the opening sequence um, and the artifact temple and all of the item jingles and the save station, the map room, uh, Hive Mecha, the, the box phase of it um, is, is the one that I made there and possibly a few other things. Uh, and then Caitlin made, um, as I said, the title screen, the, um, she made Hive Mecca the first phase. That's also her singing that, uh, Talon Overworld, as I said. Um, she also made the, uh, most of the Chozo ruins, like, like all of the Chozo ruins areas when you're just walking through the room. So not the safe station or, or the, um, elevator room. I think I said map station earlier. I meant elevator room. Um, right. Uh, so she made, you know, the, the whole Chosa Ruins area, and then also the credits. Um, that that music actually, um, like, she did a fantastic job 
um, all of the Chozo Ruins music came from this, like, six-minute, I think, um, just experimental take on what a Chozo Ruins kind of sound might be like that just goes through all of these different scenes, just a six-minute piece of music with all of these things in it. And we talked about it as a team, and eventually we were like, yeah, just take each section and split it into smaller chunks, and we'll just fit them into rooms. Um, and so the credits of the of the game actually were intended to be Chozo Ruins music originally. We just, you know, there aren't enough rooms in this demo uh, almost to even fit, right. fit all of the music. Um, we had to get a little creative with, with where it plays, and I think it works really well. Um, yeah, so that's that's a sense of, of the music. It was the two of us. And then also, um, do you want to talk about that one? <laughs> sure. Before I do, though, there's also your Prime Numbers track that everyone loves. Oh, yes. the um, One of the Easter eggs in the game uh, involves some... What I, what I was trying to make as elevator music uh, back in 2018. I'm not sure it actually sounds like elevator music, but um, people seem to like it. Uh, it's um that's something I made in 2018 for one of our April Fools jokes. Uh it's just sort of a, a medley of um various Metroid themes. Okay, the reason we're laughing before I go on, have you guys 100%ed the demo? No, I have to go back and get the rest of the map and the rest of the lore. Okay. <laughs> so let me ask it like this. Has any of you collected the artifact of wild uh i don't think so no okay well then i can't talk about it because i'd be spoiling something amazing for you guys but i made oh. a track that's related to a secret and it's related to the artifact of the wild so i encourage you guys to go find out how to do it uh, like as fast as you can so you don't get spoiled as to what it is because experiencing it blind is going to be hilarious <laughs> all right Dak, we got we got some yeah. homework to do buddy i was gonna say i got i already have a ton of reasons to go back and play this but i have another one and, and now that i can reach you guys on discord i'm just gonna like mess you like oh i did it and gonna comment on it but, <laughs> so um, i'll yeah. speak to the music as vaguely as i can without spoiling it so i don't know how to make music but i we're, we were trying to hit the deadline and this secret is something that I came up with a long time ago looking at an enemy that I was making and I was like hey Matt doesn't this enemy remind you of redacted and he's like yeah it does and I was like wouldn't it be hilarious if redacted happened and he was like oh my god that would be amazing and so the joke ran for a long time and you guys will get it. You'll understand once you play. Uh, and we're, we're grinding towards release. And I'm not prioritizing Redacted because it's it's a joke. But Matt right. is like, no, Redacted has to make it. And I'm like, okay, fine. So then I go off and I do the work I need to do to make Redacted possible. And uh, I was like, here you go. Once it's you just got to put it in and he did but we needed music so i went off and did my best to learn how to make music and i think it turned out pretty good i i took two different familiar uh, tracks from 
other Metroid games for the secret and like meshed them together. And you guys will know immediately <laughs> when you hear it and you'll know why I chose those two, which makes it, I think more hilarious. The secret. I'm going to, I need to play like literally as soon as we're done. Cause I gotta, I gotta get that. Uh, I, I want to know. Yeah. Know what it is. If you guys can do me a favor, I am collecting reactions to redacted and it would be amazing if you guys could film yourselves playing that section and reacting and sending it. Oh, that would be amazing. I'm, I'm going to stream myself doing it. I'm 100%. Now I'm very curious as to what this is. And I'm actually glad that we haven't already tried it out because now there's a nice little mystery we have. And maybe for some of our listeners, too. I do yeah, apologize yeah, totally. in advance if I overhyped it. But I'm pretty sure you guys will flip. <laughs> I'm ready. Um. So guys, I have, I have a question and like, it's kind of a bummer question, but I mean, you know, we, we got to ask it just because of the history of some, some other projects and stuff like that. Um, you know, before we even did this episode, Dak and I were kind of wondering like, like, should we do this episode? Because, you know, obviously the more, uh, acclaim that this project gets, the more attention it gets can, cannot necessarily always be the best thing. Um, given, I guess, what are your feelings just given the, you know, the, the past tendencies uh, of Nintendo to kind of strike down these fan-made projects like that? Um, you know, I, I've always wondered how that kind of weighs on you. you. You know, you guys put in years of your life so much extra time uh, with the, you know, with the very real potential being there of like Nintendo saying like, nope, not anymore. Um, you got to stop this. I, I mean, what is... Uh, you know, what is that, uh, what does that feel like, I guess? Like, you know, working on a project like this, uh, are you, are you hopeful any one way or the other? Or I guess, you know, what are, what are your thoughts about that? And, and I know it's kind of a bummer topic, but, you know, I, I feel like uh, it's definitely one that uh, I think that we should probably ask. Um, I think starting with something like this, I think it helps people to understand why do it in the first place. Um because I, I do get asked that a lot. Um, for me, um, and it's, it's, you know, it's different for everybody on the team probably, but we all sort of share a, a collective passion. Um, for me, uh, I got into this idea of making this game when I was 12 years old. Um, and every time a lead programmer would, would either uh, get burned out um, and leave or just sort of step down get busy with real life things and, and just disappear every time that would happen it like really impacted me as a little kid um right and like eventually i just came to this idea of like i want to do this myself it's such a cool idea i just want to sit down and do it um and over the years like as I grew up, I realized well actually it's it's for me it's it's very much an educational thing. Um, building your own video game engine from scratch is such a huge endeavor and covers so many wide aspects of, of types of programming um, and and types of multimedia and things like that. Um, I was just learning so much from it, um, and eventually realized like this is just kind of like an investment in you know our future. Um, like as a team, we would talk about this a little bit, like, um, like we would frame it this way a little bit as like, you know, 
if we're adding lighting to this game, we're adding lighting to all of our future games um, because we can just right. reuse that. Um, and that's sort of that's sort of how I came into it. We talked a lot as a team about this issue. I mean, there's a reason that we changed our name. Our game is just called Prime 2D now. Um, there's a reason that all of our assets throughout the entire game are handmade originals. Um, like all the environments especially are, are very, you know, not necessarily tied to this game that it draws inspiration from. Uh, mm -hmm. Even like the color palette of the overworld, for example, has a lot more purples in it than the original game did. Just things, things don't necessarily line up. We took creative freedoms with that. Um, but um, just sort of doing everything we possibly can so that if we're not allowed to proceed as is, um, that we would still you know, be, be in a reasonably good place. It's, it's only a question of, there are some clear resemblances in designs, uh, to certain things as well as some names and some of the melodies. Uh, and those, those would basically be the things in question. So we did everything we possibly could, but the reason why is, um, so many people out of this project over the years have gotten so many great things just in terms of creativity and development. Um, I know that like the the original founder in 2004 who was credited with um, uh, like starting the whole thing from the beginning, um, he you know became a professional artist after this. A, a lot of people have become professional artists or like learned skills just by not really knowing what they're doing, hopping in to join this game, being taught by the community, you know, being inspired, learning things, and then moving on with their lives. And I, I think that's really what this is actually about. Um, mm -hmm. But that's that's my that's my take on it. <laughs> uh, I don't know if Guillaume has more to say. Well, you yeah, you pretty much nailed everything. It like when we were kids, it was a really cool thing, and it was also common back then to see. Uh, versions of a game come out on GameCube and also on Game Boy, like maybe some movie game with the same box art, but it, the games were entirely different, so there wasn't effectively a 3D and a 2D version. So it wasn't out, like out of the realm of possibility for us to think, oh, how cool would it be if this 3D game would like to be a 2D game? Because it was something that we saw very often. I know that I always thought it was cool to have the 2D game and the 3D game and see how they were different. And yeah, I I definitely valued this as as the time to shine, you know, to, to work on my skills and to, like, show that I could do something good in terms of uh, pixel art and animation. And uh, I really tried my best, like, throughout this whole process, I've been learning a lot, and, like, I know I'll continue to learn. Like, I, I'm still learning from Andreas because he's, like, legendary when it comes to his pixel art his environments are just so great and um yeah it's uh it's it's a shame to be in this situation just because of the mechanics of how like our society works uh but you know it after like three and a half years of working on this in secrecy you just kind of get sad and lonely and you want to share it because you're proud of what you're doing and you're pretty sure everyone will really like it. So yeah, it, it, it was, it yeah. was definitely time. It, it was time at this point in time, we haven't heard anything and we fully continue to plan on to, to 
just plan forward as is. Um, but, you know, should catastrophe strike, uh, as long as we have provided players with enjoyment or, like, spurred any interest into, you know, a certain other company's games, uh, you know, I think that's that's great. All, all is good. Yeah, the love here comes for this series, you know, it's it's really because we all love Metroid and we just we just want more Metroid, right? And <laughs> and so we're making Metroid. I, I mean, yeah, you get, that that was a great answer, guys. Um and thank you for sharing that. Uh I, I mean, yeah, you know, uh, I think that you guys invested in yourself and it, and it really shows in this product and it's definitely you know, if if this is if Nintendo comes tomorrow and says like that's enough, like I, I think that the product that was released can definitely stand, you know, it can stand on its own. It it stand the it, it stands just like as such a such a great work, um, you know. So so hats off to you guys uh, for you know for all that you have accomplished and, and achieved with this uh, Prime Two E demo. So um, I guess my my last question for you guys. And you can be as, as vague or specific as you want. Is um, what's next? Uh, what's next entirely depends on what happens, and we haven't exactly decided because a lot of it's up in the air. But like Matt said, one thing is for sure: if we are not uh, given the big ends band hammer, uh, we want to continue working on Prime Two D. In fact, the other day we had a team meeting discussing what our next development plans were. So we haven't stopped. That's awesome. Um, well, uh, it, one one more time, guys. This was so good. Uh, this was so it, it was so fun, listeners. If you are listening to this, um, I'll throw I'll throw the download link in the um, in the show notes here. You, you got to check this out. It was so fun. It was so it was so cool just uh just seeing this uh you know realized in in you know because i think that every at least for a metroid fan like me who kind of grew up on super metroid you know the question for me was always like oh man what would this look like in 2d and it's so it's so cool to see that finally realized and um you know you guys did a great job um any any last words that you guys want to part on or or uh let everybody know where we can check out your guys's projects you guys on social media anything like that um, I mean, the response so far has been absolutely overwhelming. I mean, we, we really didn't know what to expect when we released this. So, uh, like, I, you know, I, I had this idea in my head of, like, yeah, it, it might blow up a little bit um, because I, I do sort of look at it and see all of the attention to detail, um, especially, like, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the art side of it um, usually, uh, and, you know, I'm a little more hypercritical of the... The coding side and the music um, that I, I put in and stuff, but the um, Caitlin's music, the the team's art and everything, I, I was sort of I had this idea of like yeah I think this is a really quality thing. It might blow up a little bit like within the Metroid community, um, and you know some of the people who have already been our, our, on our Discord would probably get a good kick out of it. Um, I didn't really expect this. Um, this is this is a lot um and it's it's so much positive energy and so much love and support for this this you know what what was supposed to be like a five or ten minute experience um which players are just loving and putting like you know every timestamp i've seen is is over an hour unless they're specifically trying to speed run it um just it's it's really touching 
Um, so that's all I want to say is just thank you, everybody. Yeah, hundred percent. Like the love and support was is just overwhelming. And like, thanks for playing. Thanks for liking everything we did. And uh, I really hope we can keep going because uh, you know Metroid is something that we really cared about. It's a special, special game to us. The the whole series and. It's just crazy to have been able to, you know, create something that reached everybody else who feels the same. Uh, perfectly summed up, gentlemen. Um, thank you guys both for, for taking the time, coming on the show, talking about the, the demo. Dak and I really wanted to talk about it, and we were really excited when, when we found out it was possible to, to get the brains behind um, this really awesome game that, uh, that we both enjoyed so much. So uh, thank you guys for coming on the show. Is there anywhere on social media that you guys want to plug where people can come and find you for any updates on, on your projects? Well, prime2d.com. I was just saying, yeah, that's, that's all we have right now. We really didn't anticipate this. We don't have a lot of social media platforms ready. (laughs) Um, All right, guys, prime2d.com. Go ahead and check out this project. Uh, Thank you both Matt and Keith for joining us here today. This was awesome getting to chat with you guys. Uh, We are going to get out of here but uh, we will be back next week. Of course, you can check Dak and myself out on Twitter at Spateri316 at DakCity underscore. And um, you can check out the Omega Metroid podcast wherever you get your podcast. Go like, subscribe, drop that five-star review if you feel we've earned it. That's it. That's all. We will see you guys next week. Take care. <laughs>